Hello, and thank you for listening to the Green Room Podcast, a podcast where I talk to my friends about things they are passionate about. Check me out at facebook.com slash greenroompodcast. That's green with an E at the end. Or you can email me at greenroom at gmail.com. In this episode, my friend Adam and I will be talking about government regulations. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they worth it? I think this is a very informative and interesting episode. As always, enjoy the show. Uh, hello, Adam, and welcome to the Green Room Podcast. Howdy, Denver. Thanks. So, tell me, how do we know each other? Uh, yeah, I went to Rice University at Lovett College, uh, close by, uh, close by to you. Where were you at at Rice? Brown, but Brown. I did advise at Lovett my junior year. Oh, okay. I don't know for some. Oh, I think you stayed uh, close by for one of the summers, and that's that confused me. But yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I met you there uh, through some mutual friends, and we hung out usually during the summer, um, you know, cause we'd have off campus housing and yeah, I'd spent some time and just kind of enjoyed chatting with you late at night. That's what I remember. Like, um, I would just remember weird conversations. I mean, that was like most of my conversations with rice people, I think. Um, just yeah. talking about just weird, like philosophy stuff, like, you know, how the people like to imagine intro philosophy students always talk about ideas that are way over their head. I feel like I had a lot of those. That was kind of a jam back in the day. Cool. Yeah. So what are you going to be sharing with me today? Uh, Yeah. I want to talk about regulations, government regulations. I already hear some listeners falling asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? Like the, they're basically you care about regulations if you are in the industry affected and you want to avoid pain or you want to cause pain to your competitors. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you ever have a place where like industry cares a lot about it and it doesn't get a lot of media, that's interesting to me. Like it's the, the levers that they pull in the dark rooms. Yeah. Yeah. It's we're specifically talking about government regulations, I assume. I don't know yeah, what other government regulations. regulations. Are. Yeah. So uh, for four years, I worked in uh, water and wastewater utility regulation, um, a little bit of electric as well uh, in Florida. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I moved there while my wife got her PhD, and there wasn't a lot of engineering jobs in town. So I worked for the state, and one of the only engineering jobs that was available at the time was in utility regulation. Said, sure, why not? And when I got in there, I'm like, wow, this is, this is kind of important. I'm surprised there's no like, you know, government 101 class that really goes into it. But yeah, ev- wherever you live, I'm guessing you have to get water from one company and uh, you're in Texas. So you yeah, can, I don't think I have a choice, right? You don't have a choice for water. You don't have a choice for your sewer. Uh, you do have a choice for electricity in Texas, but that's really the exception. Most places you, you get whatever electric utility, uh, yeah. you know, comes with the house or the apartment or what have you. And we know Texas already has some issues with our <laughs> electricity system. So yeah, no, there's, there's, there's pros and cons, uh, to having a well-regulated, um, electricity. And these days we see that it's a lot more pros than cons mm-hmm. having a wild west of, uh, electricity regulation didn't work out so hot. 
Yeah, I wasn't a fan of living in my child's bedroom because it was the only room that had only one external wall and all of us just under a blanket, like oh. a bunch of blankets for just, I don't know, what was it, three or four days? Yeah. Well, when Luckily I was, we had food and gas, but <laughs> it could have been worse. Anyway, we're yeah, not this talking is, about this electricity. This is a total tangent, but when I was in Florida, we had a, a couple of power outages for, due to hurricanes and stuff like that. And I, during one of them, I wired up like an old computer fan to some D batteries just to <laughs> have some, some air movement in the middle of the night. Wow. You yeah. got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So utility regulation, right? Um, I mean, really what it is, is, uh, government will make a law and then how is that law enforced? I mean, some laws by police officers, obviously um, some by the IRS, but uh, a lot of laws are, are enforced by regulators and for utilities, they have, they're all formed in these PUCs. So that stands for public utility commission. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was. I worked for the Florida uh, utility commission and we were there to make sure that utilities weren't screwing over citizens, uh, or at least they weren't screwing over citizens more than the law, the law allowed them to. Right. Yeah. They still can, just not as much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their entire purpose is to make a profit, like right. most corporations. And there were some in Florida that were owned by municipalities, and they were great. They had you know just as good water quality but they did not make a, a profit and they were a lot more responsive to their uh, constituents because, hey, they were voted in or they were appointed by someone who was voted in. So, yeah, uh, the way that mm-hmm. you kind of interact with your utility is either directly for those municipalities or through the public utility commissions. And so I worked on that side, kind of making sure that the utilities followed the laws. Cool. So you'd go into like a utility and I don't know, look at their books and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and ironically we don't do that proactively. It's only when they try to make more money, (laughs) then we go in and we, you know, put them under a magnifying glass. But Hmm. if they have a favorable rate case where they say we want, um, you know, we want to recover this amount of money for all this uh, expenditures we're doing and we're doing this, we're spending this much in maintenance, et cetera, et cetera they come and they get a rate increase. And if it's favorable, they might just coast on that forever. And like, say, so like we got away with some shit. So we're just going to lay low for, for a couple decades and we won't come in for a rate increase for a long time. Mm. Yeah. And so that's when they really get looked under the books. I mean, they submit annual reports and we make sure that there's not anything egregious from last year, but yeah, uh, it's kind of like the IRS. We don't, have a unlimited budget to, you know, audit people who are, uh, you know, laying low. Cool. So we're not specifically talking about utility regulations in Florida, but we're sort of talking about regulations in general. Is that the plan? Yeah, that's the plan. So, I, I mean, I learned through that and then, uh, through my other careers, uh, I was an educator and now I work in, um, communications, which has its own set of regulations, I've just found that basically anywhere a politician has made a big stink about getting rid of a regulation or putting in a regulation to make people safe, uh, they make a law and then that's when the attention stops. But between the law and when it interacts with the the people or the corporations, 
that's when regulations are created. And that whole process is pretty much, it's, it's technically transparent. You can see every single regulation that impacts you and you can read the meeting minutes of how that regulation was created. But there's basically no public uh, attention on it and very little public comment on it. So yeah. the, the law the, yeah, the law is like two sentences and says, you know, the state shall prevent this or a corporation shall not do this. And it sounds good, but what does that actually mean? And the, that two sentences gets expanded to 20 pages of, of technical detail that only makes sense to regulators and attorneys. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's really where it all happens. And it gives people like, uh, what do I want to say? It gives Congress or the government an ability to create some sort of organization and hire people and do all these things to make sure that the laws are actually enforced. Like there are oh, lots 100%. of knock on effects. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever somebody says that uh, a president can do something with a stroke of a pen, that usually means that there's a regulation and that the uh, entity in charge of enforcing it is the executive branch. So the president can just say, we're not going to enforce this one. Like right. there's a law that says we should do it, but if we never check, then you can break the law all you want and we're not going to punish you. And that's, that's where things swing wildly from one president to the next where they're like, we're going to start enforcing this thing. That's technically been on the books, but no one's enforced it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. like a whole difference, even with like laws passed by Congress versus executive orders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Executive orders are whatever they can get away with using their their powers that are, you know, delegated to them by laws because Congress says we want, you know, here's the law. This is what I want to happen. But the executive is going to execute it. They are going to figure out how this actually works. And for federal laws, that's the president decides what gets uh, what, what, what gets enforced and what just kind of, you know, you put out a letter that says, hey, we're not going to enforce this and companies react pretty quickly. Yeah. We're seeing that a lot now with um, fallout from the Dobbs decision. Certain places are choosing to regulate or not regulate it depending on the state and city. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's also the thing with, uh, with sanctuary cities, right? You know, if, if it's a city's jurisdiction, they enforce whatever laws that they seem fit, uh, deem fit. And there's also, oh God, uh, what was it? Uh, it was um, sheriffs have this mm-hmm. concept called uh, a constitutional sheriff. Have you heard that? No, what is that? It's, it's BS. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> BS. It's where sheriffs exist in this, this weird governmental gray zone where like there's no city that over looked over uh has oversight on them and they say well in our jurisdiction we're going to say that the constitution says this and we're going to interpret it and they kind of pretend like there are this fourth branch of government it's it's total bs but it's the same concept of uh however regulations are created and applied is one of the most powerful ways that government you know the rubber meets the road Mm -hmm. right it doesn't matter what the law says if you start with a law that's two sentences and it's very clear and everyone nods their head and says, yes, that's a good law. But then you get a bunch of crap, a bunch of political and, and a, attorney jargon that makes it kind of, you know, inserts little loopholes here or makes it easy for the big guys and hard for the little guys. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of corruption comes in. And, and it's the hard corruption where you actually see 
you decide in when you're making the regulation, this is the body who will decide how the money is spent. And I'm going to appoint my buddies over here and they're going to decide right. who gets the contracts. So that's a really important part of it. And also just the technical loopholes, the soft corruption where you say, I'm going to make it really easy for electric uh, companies to, you know, to get what they want. And then, Hey, when I'm no longer a commissioner, I'm going to end up getting a really nice gig over there. Uh, right. yeah, you, you look at any commissioner, any regulator, they, they get a really nice salary when they're working for the state and they make, you know, four or five times that as a consultant when they're done. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's like the soft corruption of kind of, you know, revolving door type of stuff. Yeah. I think Elizabeth Warren tried to make that not legal. Oh yeah. Which sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And I mean, it's exactly people like Elizabeth Warren who are wonks who are going to catch this stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. talk to any regulator, uh, you know, off the record, if, if they're still a regulator or like me where <laughs> I don't work there anymore, <laughs> so I'm good. Uh, and they'll tell you like, this law makes sense, but the regulation totally doesn't. Here's where they screw you. Um, you know, I was part of processes where theoretically consumers could levy complaints against the water utility, against the electric utility. I was part of those processes. And mm-hmm. it sounds good to say you can have public comment. You remember um, Ajit Pai and the, the um, uh, what was it, net neutrality, right? Yeah. That's the guy with the giant Reese's mug. <laughs> God. Yes. Yes. And uh, uh, I don't condone violence, but uh, I, I can still go by the term punchable face. He's got a punchable <laughs> face because he's just got this shit eating grin. And the whole thing like that is a shining example of how rulemaking works. You have uh, industry feeding the government employees like, hey, here's some draft language. And the government employees are like, well, you just helped my job get easier. It looks good on paper, so I'm going to just accept it and say, your draft regulation for us regulating your industry, that draft regulation sounds good. And it's totally above board that anyone can provide uh, example language. But then they have a public comment period. And that's where you should have actual input to say, no, the industries are trying to uh, make their jobs easier or crush their competition called mm-hmm. regulatory capture where they try and make it easier to uh for the big guys to win and the little guys to uh kind of get drowned in 300 pages of regulations um the public comment is supposed to help that and for net neutrality there was an unprecedented amount of public comment and what happened in that case is the exact thing that happens in uh almost every regulatory case that i am in which is that public comment really good points, almost nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Like the process says we must hear public comment. We do. But then what happens? There's really no like attorney for the public that enforces it. Now there is imagining the person grabbing the sheet of paper in the inbox and just dumping it in the trash. Yeah. That, well, they read it into the record. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes it's, uh, you know, video calls, especially during COVID they would have the, the public zoom in and say like, you know, there's some LA uh, local uh, uh, meetings where they had public comment and it was, it was fiery. But then as soon as that person's time was up, they would just say thank you and move on to the next one. Even if the person said some really like 
some stuff that rings true and some stuff that's very passionate, they would just say, Mm -hmm. okay, thank you for your time and then do nothing. Now, ironically, there actually is an attorney that represents the public uh, or a, a group of attorneys in, in most state cases, and especially for utilities, because it's such a clear-cut case of you have no choice as a consumer, uh, the utility should, should be able to turn a modest profit, whatever, <laughs> they should <laughs> be able to turn a, a modest profit. So yeah, okay, but they shouldn't be able to cook the books, uh, gold plate everything, because you know if they put in a million-dollar plant and they make a 9% profit off it, that's some amount of money. If they put in a $10 million plant and make 9% profit off it, that's 10 times the money. So there has to be Mm. some pushback to make sure that they don't gold plate it. And that was partially my job. And that was partially this attorney group, uh, which in Florida was called- Gold plating means they are, you know, adding in all the whistles and stops, like the bathrooms have gold toilets or whatever. Like they add all this extra stuff just so they can charge more, but like it's not necessary for the service. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and that was my job as, as an engineer. I would look and say, uh, you did not put in a 10-inch pipe where a 2-inch pipe would suffice, that type of thing. Um, but this this group, uh, which in Florida, they were the... Um, shoot. Uh, it, it'll come to me. But that there are attorneys who would go in and fight the case for the public and they would know the regulations. So they would use the correct language. They would, uh, you know, be able to kind of be a counterbalance to the utilities because the utilities would spend millions of dollars on attorneys to get what they wanted. And Mm -hmm. as a result, they, they always had, you know, the citation of which rule supported their case, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's, it'd be really good if the public had that as well. And, and so there are groups for that in some industries, but not all. And that's kind of where really that would be what actually balanced out the seesaw and made it so that utilities didn't or any regulated industry didn't have a way to like turn laws against people. Hmm. So how do we talk about regulations? So why do we have regulations, right? We need a way to make sure that the laws can actually be uh, enforced and the way that laws for citizens are enforced are usually by like police officers. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can throw people into jail or, um, or prison or any number of things, but for corporations, you can't throw a corporation into jail. That's, that's a key thing. Right. I, you know, I wish we could, I wish we could say if a corporation committed murder, that corporation could no longer exist. Like that's kind of an important concept that we just don't have. Right. Yeah. And in fact, of course, we know that businesses kill people all the time through pollution, through you know faulty engineering. Any even people things. at the businesses don't oh, yeah. seem to be able to be held accountable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Gorsuch. Uh, one of his uh, controversial cases when Trump nominated him for the Supreme Court. So a company told one of their drivers, uh, a trucking company, told one of their drivers that was in a blizzard, hey, you need to stay with your cargo. And the driver said, "Uh, fuck that. I don't want to freeze to death and left and got fired. And uh, Gorsuch sided with the the company and basically said they were okay to fire him for choosing his life over the company. And, you know, if he had listened, he might have died, the driver seriously yes yeah so that's 
like basically that's that's the whole thing is we need to make sure that any negative externalities of companies are 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 actually felt so a company has costs right and uh, a lot of them are really easy to see like they have to pay for materials they have to pay uh, employees. Their, their employees yeah they they need to pay their attorneys their accountants etc those are their real costs and mm-hmm. then there are some costs that are external to them like if they cause some sort of damage by polluting the air, polluting the water, by diverting traffic, uh, but you know they they just did some construction and they diverted traffic, like those are external costs, and we call and them they don't negative. Have to pay them. Right? Yeah, we call them negative externalities. Right? And this is a really big concept in economics, where if you're not paying a certain cost, then you're going to abuse it. Right? Like right now, right. fossil fuels are destroying the planet, and uh, they don't have to pay the actual environmental damage. Like if there's a billion dollars of, uh, of damage to houses every single storm and there's, you know, 12 storms in a season, that's $12 billion they don't have to pay, even right. though that is actually a result. And we, we should actually have a way to force those costs onto people. And that's where regulations come in. Even more directly, it's like pollution causing asthma and just, causing people to die like even more directly and they don't have to pay that cost. Yeah. I mean, this comes up all the time in mining because under the ground, there are concentrations of metals. And when you dig in the ground for whatever you want, you're going to dig up some of those heavy metals. They're going to get into the waterways and Mm. around your mine, there are going, there's going to be higher rates of, you know, childhood disabilities, cancer, those sorts of things. That is a negative externality. Now, with mines, that's a very visible problem, and it's very localized. So it's actually handled pretty well. Uh, Usually, the company will end up having to create a trust of billions of dollars that they pay out to those families in the future for medical Mm -hmm. expenses, what have you. And it's kind of costed in, and it does actually cause the companies to behave differently and to be more careful about cleaning up their byproducts and things like that. But right. for things that spread more easily, like air pollution, water pollution, uh, any any sort of thing like that, increased r- risk of fire, that sort of thing, those are spread out more. And as a result, it's either harder to do the regulation to have them behave in a more careful manner, mm-hmm. or uh, there's no political will for it. Because that's the it's, other really big problem. It's harder to track down. Like, I've heard of cases where, you know, this company pollutes the whole i don't know city and then the city sues saying oh this company caused us all to get cancer but if you can't absolutely 100 percent definitively prove it then a lot of times courts will side with the company because right now our court system is very friendly towards corporations oh 100 percent, yeah especially because in a lot of cases the court will have selected a location where they know the court uh will will be uh, favorable to them. And that's that's mostly uh, the case with employees because employees have to do arbitration. And in arbitration, the person who set up the arbitration agreement gets to pick the court. So that's a really big deal. Um, if employees, sorry, if, if normal people who are impacted can set pick their own court, that's a really strong thing for them to actually get a fair case against a company. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even the president's late son, Bo Biden, he died most likely because of a trash fire in Iraq. Hmm. There was horrible air pollution and people throwing trash onto the fire or on bases right next to it, had, you know, just breathed in 
toxic fumes and he ended up with brain cancer and died. Those two things are probably linked, but proving it is a court of law issue. And the military, (laughs) they have special jurisdictions and they kind of get to police themselves. So that's a whole other thing where there's not enough regulation in the military. It's it's bad shit. Um, There's another thing called like tragedy of the commons. Okay. Another economics concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what it is, is it's just if there's a common area that we can all take advantage of, then people are likely to take advantage of it and, you know, mine it into oblivion or pollute it into oblivion, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. if we don't put restrictions on who can use the common area or the common resource, if we don't put those restrictions, then we do have issues. There's Uh, an example I'm just going to throw in uh here real quick. It was about a bunch of people in a village who were fishing out of the same pond. And if everybody took, you know, just one fish, then there would be enough fish replacement that the pond would go on and it would last for a very long time. But if anybody, if, if even like one or two people just started taking as much fish as they could, then eventually all the fish are gone and now nobody has fish. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or right now, um, uh, low earth orbit is getting, uh, filled up with companies putting up their little micro satellites and that would be fine if everything stayed on its path. But as these things decay, they can collide with each other and end up causing a lot of space junk. That I makes, saw the movie Gravity. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's honestly that that's actually going to happen. <laughs> There's yeah. going to be a cascade. Now, there are specific issues with that movie, of course, like the the relative orbits <laughs> of those things. But in yeah, any case, like that, that. the concept is real, especially the because of it, the micro of the particles flying around and destroying other things in space. That yes, part was 100%. very real. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And the space station has uh, heavily shielded areas for that reason. Like they can mm-hmm. go into it. So yeah, it, that's one area that there's been good regulation to try and get international treaties and make sure that people who put things into space have a way of safely getting it out without it breaking into a million projectile pieces. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's why we have regulations. Tragedy there's of another, the another example of that, which I, and just thought just thought of was um radio waves so like the radio waves that your radio can pick up you know the little dial goes from one number to another number and there's a limited number in there and if everybody was just blasting off whatever radio waves they wanted at any radio frequency it would be chaos and none of our radios would work properly and so we have regulations to make sure that only certain people are allowed to use certain radio waves at certain times Oh, yeah. And another reason why you need international cooperation on regulations, because you can have, for instance, a quack doctor in Kansas who gets shut off the radio waves by the FCC for scamming people and giving them fake drugs and you know convincing them not to use real drugs, moves into Mexico, creates the largest, most powerful radio antenna in the world and blasts his, uh, his scam stuff it's basically alex jones you know dick pill ads he he did the equivalent of that back in the day sending it across the border and hit most of the southern u.s with this monstrosity of a tower because mexico didn't have the regulatory like agreement with them with america to say hey we should stop bad actors like this and that his radio tower i assume like was more powerful than the other people at the same frequency so oh yeah this would like come in stronger than theirs or you'd hear like both of them at the same time or whatever 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure they moved quickly, but, but that's the, that's the gist of the story. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. So, so like regulations are important. I hope, I hope that is, is pretty clear, but of course you have to do it right. And of course there are costs, right? So you can't just regulate everything that would grind everything to a halt, mm-hmm. but you can definitely regulate more than a lot of politicians will say, because, uh, you know, if you piss off one constituent as a politician, that's worth protecting a hundred. Like one, you know, squeaky wheel can uh, can say, not in my backyard, don't give me regulations. And that can undo protection for a lot of people. Uh, mm. So it's true you can't have endless regulation. Uh, regulation it leads to increased attorney costs. It can lead to corruption, as I mentioned earlier, where you, you create a, a mechanism for enforcing a law which actually gives ability for kickbacks and stuff like that. Uh, the yeah. regulatory capture thing that I mentioned earlier is is important too. If you have a regulation that's that's done in a kludgy way, in a, a a way that isn't really true to the intent of the of the law, then you can end up where only only really big guys can participate in that area and you know gobble up the little ones, and you end up with more something more like a monopoly than you had before. Mm-hmm. So you got to be really careful with your regulations. And also if regulations change too often, like when a president changes and decides what to enforce or not to enforce, that can cause uncertainty and that can cause uh, a, a, an opportunity not to be pursued. So if we had a lot of regulation over which houses can hook up their photovoltaic solar panels to the, to the grid, mm-hmm. that would mean that, those, uh, those solar companies might not operate in that state and say, uh, this state is trying to push out solar. I'm not going to, I'm not sure, like maybe this ballot initiative will fail, but I'll look at the other 49 states right now. So in that way, uh, regulation can prevent us from moving forward. So even good regulations. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that regulation is not a bad word in my book. I don't think it should be to your listeners. There are regulations that can be used for good and for used for evil. Right. It's a tool. And just like all tools, depends on how you use them. I was going to say, I forgot which podcast I listened to this from, but uh, they were talking about how the government operates in China. And I am absolutely not a fan of China, but they were talking about how in China, it's kind of expected that you give bribes, what <laughs> we would consider bribes to various people. Um. And then the people there, like, because that's an expectation, don't even see that necessarily as corruption when you compare it to, like, in America where there's all this, like, stuff you're talking about where they make certain regulations more complicated and unnecessary and that allows people to get kickbacks and that allows all sorts of corruption in the system as well if you're doing it in a poor way. Right. Yeah, so, like... Making it very specific, when I worked in water and wastewater regulation, if a utility spent a million dollars, or not even that, it's, it's actually pretty cheap to, to lobby. So if they spent $20,000 to get a particular regulation crafted the way they want, that might allow them to recover $500,000 through whatever project they want to get approved. So they they go to the legislature and they say, hey, let's make this law so that we can improve reliability, let's say. And the, the legislature passes it due to the $20,000 of, uh, 
you know, of lobbyists having dinner with them, drafting mm-hmm. legislation, making their jobs easier. And then they go to the rulemaking process and they do the same thing. Now the regulation is created and they make a huge amount of money off of that. None of that is illegal. They've right. worked within the system in a process where there's not a lot of media attention and they've created something that makes their job easier, makes it so that they can make a lot more you know, big pot money, $500,000. And the profit on top of that is what really drives, you know, why they're doing it. Yeah. And that profit's coming from consumers. Yes. For utilities, it's directly. And for everything else, it's, it's in another way, like whatever gas tax you pay, like Mm -hmm. that is some amount that's, they don't have to worry about it. They're getting uh, subsidies anyways, but if, This is a little bit of a tangent, but um, I've heard people talk about how they think that there shouldn't be lobbying, and I, I don't feel like I think I disagree with that. Like I think that there should be ways for community, community organizations, and everything to you know talk to their congresspeople in order to get things done. It's working together as a community to talk to your congresspeople. That seems like something that should be doable. My approach to that is the same as, uh, as I think they call them like, uh, America bucks or, or no democracy dollars. Did, have you ever democracy heard of democracy dollars? dollars? No. Okay. Here's the concept. It's how do we fix corruption in, in politics? Uh, and how do we fix, uh, you know, money donations to campaigns? You give everybody democracy dollars. So, I, I'm, I'm the federal government, I wave my wand, and suddenly every one of the voting citizens has $100 that they don't actually have, but th- it's like a coupon, and you can donate it to whatever politician you want. Mm. With that one act, you can suddenly overwhelm all of the corporations donating to politics. So you don't even... So essentially, it's like everybody has $100 that you can only donate to a politician. Right. And does that, do you even have to stop companies from donating to politicians? No, you don't. That's the, that's the, you just do it in addition to, you do it in addition to, and suddenly now, if you go to a local community center and you talk to an actual local group of people, that group of people has a lot more money to donate to you than whatever, you know, a soft drink company wants to, wants to have a meeting with you next Tuesday. Right. If it has 20 people, that's $2,000. Well, yeah. And you, you want, you want larger and larger groups. So you try and find constituencies. So that's the idea behind democracy dollars. And that's a brilliant idea that's gotten uh, a decent amount of attention. I think mm-hmm. the same can be applied to lobbying, right? Right now, the only people who lobby are companies because they have accountants and the accountants can say, this is a financially good decision for you. Go lobby. Right. But people don't. I mean, people got enough problems in their day uh, not having to look at the rulemaking process for creating new uh, regulations. But if they had some way to just say, I will sponsor an attorney and that attorney's full-time job will be to look at regulations local to me. And Mm -hmm. if it's not their actual money, if these, it's the sort of democracy dollars that could solve problems where you say this community has all decided that they want to give one, uh, one vote to have their local attorney person, you know, actually weigh in on, on rules and, you know, support them. If that is funded at a a central level, like a federal level where, you know, we basically acknowledge that 
it's, you know, companies are going to weasel their way into the process. They're going to figure out a way. So trying to create more laws and regulations to stop that, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a head on head fight. But if instead we give a new person a profit motive to actually participate, that's this attorney or whoever, and that mm-hmm. is a, a fighter for the public. Now you have a situation where, yeah, who, where are we going to put our public fighter in? What, what process are they going to pay attention to and fight the companies on? And then it's a little more even playing field. Yeah. It's a little bit like um, publicly funded elections, except with more choice, which yeah. sounds very democratic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- it, it's very important to, uh, to figure out how to solve these problems. Um, there's smart people working on it for sure. Uh, anytime you, you hear about the deep state, that's just code for people who work for government and who don't get fired right. when there's a new president. <laughs> so, you know, career politicians are very important and they're trying to make these changes happen. And I, you know, I have a lot of respect for the people I left behind at the uh, Florida public service commission. Um, there's definitely some people there just collecting a paycheck. You'll have that anywhere. You have a government job, but there's some people who really care. Most jobs. <laughs> it's true. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just think about the, the old uh, TV show for kids where it's like, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. <laughs> they, they stopped when the bill got passed, but the bill then needs regulation in order to enact it. And that's right. the part that just needs more attention and, uh, and, and really like the whole idea that regulations are bad. That's whoever's trying to sell you that idea probably <laughs> is just trying to kill regulations that they don't like. Yeah. They got a profit motive for it. All right. So specifically to utility regulation in Florida, there is this idea that, uh, that, you know, the legislature makes a law and then a, a regulation is created. Now, in while that regulation is being created, it's going to be weighed in by three parties. There's going to be the people working for the state, that was me, who try and just read the law and make sure that the whole process follows the law. Then there's going to be the actual corporations who are weighing in, and they spend a lot of time trying to make sure that however this law started out, it ends up favoring them once the regulation is written. So they mm-hmm. are really invested in the process. But then there's a third group. And in this case, uh, in Florida, it's called the Office of Public Counsel. They're great guys. They, it's their entire job to look at every single thing that the regulators do and make sure that it benefits the public. So they are your advocates. And you know they, they need to be on a lot more T-shirts. <laughs> there needs to be <laughs> uh, 8 o'clock cheering for them uh, like there were for... <laughs> doctors during the thing that they're great. Um, they're not of course, as powerful as, as, uh, as utilities or corporations, but those groups do need to exist and they need to, uh, kind of be well-funded. And, and I just, I just wanted to, to say that as like a, a specific case where whenever regulations are being created, there needs to be a government aspect. That was my job, but there also needs to be like an outside, uh, advocate for people. Yeah, as you were saying that, my thought was like, why aren't our elected officials the advocate for the people? (laughs) Well, I mean, one issue is just they don't spend that much time on it, right? They spend half their year uh, raising money and then the other half of the year just trying to 
play politics. Like they don't spend a lot of time. I, I never talked to a single politician when I worked as a regulator. Uh, I wish I did. Of course, regulators know how the laws that they enact actually make it into into rules and how it actually gets enacted. And they can say, hey, look, just next time, change this one word from from shall to must. Like that's <laughs> that's the type of important shit that if you could that go back and edit laws, word. like, yeah, <laughs> if you could just go back and, and tweak some laws, that would make a big difference. Um, <laughs> but th- there's no there's no real uh, uh, political wins in doing that. Yeah, dude, nobody wants to think about how the sausage is made of mm-hmm. how our entire society works around us without crumbling apart. Yeah, they want good headlines. <laughs> and then there's also some incentive to not get things done so they can keep using that position to keep running, which uh, is a little bit annoying. Yeah. <laughs> get mad at some Democrats for that even. Let's see. Oh, totally. So let's see, I was talking to some sort of anti-regulation people and I'm going to sort of try to do my best to, I don't know, express their concerns just to see what you sort of think about it, which yeah, if I end up cutting it, that's fine. Um, so one of the questions that sort of came up was like how, when a regulation is being created, how do you know if it's worth it? Okay. Which is yeah. very difficult to answer. No, I mean, totally. That is that is a really important thing. So one thing that kind of weighs into that is sometimes we have no choice. <laughs> if, a, if a politician writes crap legislation, there's no way to implement a regulation that will help that. Um, mm-hmm. And in those cases, yeah, I would rather not have a regulation put in place. But let's say that, that it's one of those that it could go either way. Like the, there's public will to fix this problem. And so they've made a law for it. And now we just need to enact the law in a, in a good, even-handed way. Uh, there are some entities that do the actual calculation. Uh, I know for before a law is passed in Congress, uh, there's uh, the Office of Management and Budget. That's mm-hmm. all they do. They look at a law and they say, what is the impact? What are the, the pros and cons? What actual damages will be prevented, what benefits will be realized. Like that's their job. It's just a bunch of accountants and like scientists trying to figure this out. Now they give that's basically trying to predict the future and that's (laughs) very difficult, but it's the best we have and it's it's pretty close to impartial, which is really surprising. Yeah. Like uh so that's that's how the federal government takes care of it. For question there. Yeah. Which you can answer after if you prefer. So suppose they come up with an estimate and then, uh, you know, we enact the law, some regulations, and then it turns out five years later that the estimate was wildly off of reality. Is there somebody actually checking to make sure that that is the case? And no. If- <laughs> no, and there definitely should be. Like uh, maintenance in general gets no love. Prevention gets no love. Uh, I think we need to maintain our regulations. We need to uh, figure out ways of preventing those sorts of issues. And that needs to be as much of a, uh, a draw as doing new things. But mm-hmm. in, in everything in life, like starting things or stopping things, is way easier to understand. And so that's how people, you know, make their campaigns. They say, I'm going to start, I'm going to stop this. And they never say, I'm going to, you know, 
do whatever. I'm going to fix what's broken. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, people do say I'm going to uh, drain the swamp or I'm going to close loopholes. They never do. Whenever you talk about taxes, someone says, well, we're going to, we're going to lower taxes, but we're going to close the loopholes and right. that's going to make it, you know, wash out in the end. No, they don't. They never close the loopholes. <laughs> no, it's just everything's so complicated. I, ever since I heard about this from uh, one of the founding fathers, they talked about how they they suggested every 10 years we write a new constitution just yeah. from the scratch and build it up. I think something like that wouldn't have been such a bad idea because then you get rid of all the gunk and stuff that builds up over time. Yeah, I mean as long as as long as you do it in a way that doesn't cause like all the cost of of creating regulations there's just as much cost taking them away, right? People have to interpret and and you know litigate like they'll take the court to say what does this regulation really mean and Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of cost and you can't just rip off a band-aid i mean we saw oh gosh i can't remember which southeast asian country uh sri lanka tried to go 100 percent organic literally overnight they just said we're you know uh pesticides and and artificial uh uh, our artificial fertilizer is killing the environment. We need to go 100% organic overnight, and it led to famine. Like, yeah, that, it, that is incredible. a that is the the idea behind it was a good one. Organic was not necessarily the solution that should have solved that idea, but the problem is there. You know, agro agro. Uh, what what am I talking about? Like big agro. Yeah, big agro mega farms are killing the environment and the runoff causes negative externalities. So we need to solve the issue, but they went straight from, we have an issue to, we know a hundred percent what the solution is and we're going to implement it really fast. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's a giant ship we're on and turning it takes time. I mean, I'm still, so I have uh, ideas where you could maybe do it faster, but that's the wrong solution is the problem because organic is not everything it's cracked up to be. Yeah. yeah um, in that case. Yeah. But it's the same <laughs> with, it's the same with if we just wanted to say, let's take the EPA and throw it out and create a new EPA with everything we've learned. Well, that's going to cause a lot of tumult before you finally land on a, a finely honed thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot to, to upend uh, what's already there. I think we do need to upend a lot of what's entrenched, but I think it needs to be done with people who really know what they're talking about and not just create more opportunities for lobbyists and for um, the the representatives of corporations to spend, you know, 500 times more money and a and thousand times more hours trying to figure out how this process can end up in their favor. Right. We need, we need good representation of the public who are paid full time to participate in the process and to figure out which regulations should be taken away or revised. And those people like, you know, if, if we have any sort of cohort that needs, um, we need, we need to make like a, a, a work, what's the government work, uh, term, uh, a make oh, work policy. Public works. I don't yeah. Know. Like, like a public works, like a, uh, uh, um, New teach deal. for America type of thing. <laughs> Yeah, oh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like we need that. We need we need some organization that says we're going to hire bright people, pay them a lot of money, a not you know, a comfortable amount of money so right. that they can look at government. 
Unfortunately, right now we have something similar to that. And that's just uh, uh, like Deloitte having analysts that come in and they analyze and they spend millions of dollars, but you can't actually trust Deloitte to do that process because they'd rather just have, uh, have those contracts than actually solve the problem. Um, so this is another interesting point from the anti-regulation crowd is they talk about uh, people being biased because we all know we have biases. Well, if you don't think you have biases, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say to you. Um, so yeah, everyone has biases. And so like, uh, how do you ensure that regulations aren't being too heavily influenced by, you know, the regulators bias, which is how the question was framed. And I'm just now realizing based on what you were saying before is a lot of these regulations are actually influenced by the corporation's bias as well. hundred percent. Yeah. And you really yeah, as, need a, to... as a regulator, my bias was something that was unambiguous. That was all I cared about. Like, I mean, I will read the, I will read the law. I will understand the, uh, the thought that went into that law and I'll try and make something that is unambiguous and that executes that. So I'm not actually trying to push beyond what the regu- what the law says. I'm that <laughs> I, you know I wouldn't get that past my my supervisor to start with, but like I never tried to make anything more uh, more in line with my politics. Mm-hmm. That that's just <laughs> these the, people working for the government aren't doing that with their free time. Like. It, <laughs> It's a difficult process, and I know that I'm going to be enforcing those laws. So I'm not trying to create like controverted, uh, not controverted. Uh, I'm not trying to create these complex situations where my team gets ahead. Right. Tell me if this is wrong. I feel like for the most part, when you're a government employee, your general end goal is to help the public, the population. Yeah. Um, and so I'm actually more concerned about the biases of the you know, people helping write the regulations that are profit motivated. Yeah. Because 100%. they have more interest in profit. Yeah. And if I wanted to take the stand during rulemaking and say, here is why this rule should be worded this way, the utility or the corporation is going to immediately have their lawyers pick apart that argument. So I couldn't, I couldn't move the ship if I wanted to towards a particular end goal. Um, mm-hmm. I will try and, and you know, what, the truth is behind me when I do act in the public's best interest. So that's the, that's the direction I'm going to point when I'm in rulemaking. All right. So another question from the anti-regulation groups is about um, artificially changing the actual costs and benefits of particular options vis-a-vis the regulation. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a real issue, right? If, you adjust artificially the cost of something by subsidizing it or the the benefit from it by like having a price uh, price floor where you guarantee a certain price, you are going to change how much of that thing is being created. Like that's basic economics. But the whole point of regulation is to account for costs that are not accounted for in the usual way. So externalities. Mm-hmm. If some cost is borne by society at large, that cost has to be factored into the situation or else we do have that basic economics uh, shortfall where we say the cost and benefits aren't balancing where they should because some of these costs are kind of uh, spread out. That's what regulations, 
are uh, are meant to address. And I think mm-hmm. that if if you actually understand and you look, you know, the obvious ones, no one's going <laughs> to argue with. Like a company who dumps lead into a, a drinking source, that company should be regulated. No one argues with that. Everything else yeah. is just trying to identify the, those negative externalities for a particular industry and get it right in costing that in. Um, I feel like the response to that, which I do not agree with, just throwing that out there, is something along the lines of like, well, who are you to tell the public what they should care about? If they cared about these things, they would choose a different company that um, took their interests at heart. But if people don't care about it, and then they just choose whatever the cheapest option is for them, why are you taking that choice away from people? Why should we let regulations take that choice away from people? Oh yeah, of course. No, that's that's <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, the the reason why is exactly because people are going to work uh, are going to act however they can afford. And so, if I am barely making ends meet, and I have to pick between uh, you know a meat supplier that is horrible for the environment and one that costs a little bit more and that's good for the environment. Like no one's going to blame me for feeding my starving family with the cheaper meat. Mm-hmm. So it's really the government, like the whole point of the government, <laughs> the entire purpose of the government is to solve societal issues that individual action cannot, that, that that's it full stop. Like yeah. we have to have a organ organization to figure out how to, you know, keep peace in the land, how to uh, make sure that people don't do crimes that are hard to uh, prosecute. Like we have to have prosecutors that spend their whole time going after, you know, tax cheats. Tax cheats don't directly impact me. I would never hire somebody to go after my neighbor because they're a tax cheat because (laughs) I have other things to do with my time. I asked the government to take care of that issue for me. And I'm very glad that they do. Yeah. Um, In addition to that, it's like, there are people out there working three jobs, um, just trying to get by enough to be able to, you know, afford to the basic necessities. And so oh, who expects a person that's working that much to have enough time to research, you know, 17 different options of cereal as to see which one is the best cereal <laughs> for them uh, and lines up with their beliefs. People just yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. enough time for that. Yeah. I mean, society exists so that we can have specialization and so that, a few people can pay attention to uh, what should be regulated and they can uh, take care of that issue. So, uh, you know, it's the same with, with creating food, with uh, building houses, things like that. I don't do all this stuff for myself because like you said, I'm busy enough with my own stuff. (laughs) It's good that we specialize and we have some people who are called regulators who take care of these societal costs for us. Uh, I just want to say that anytime someone is being loud on social media about a regulation that you just go in and you just say like, Hey, I really appreciate the problems that, uh, that are being paid attention to by, you know, central groups. So I ask that everyone here just kind of put out one little hurrah for the people who are trying to make the world run smoothly and without corruption. Like they're unsung heroes and there are going to be a lot of loud people online complaining about it because complaining is easy. I just want somebody to go in and say, you know, I trust these guys and you know, you shouldn't trust them uh, carte blanche. You should actually have accountability, but I think that they're currently getting the short end of the stick. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the green room podcast. Yeah. Thanks Denver. It was a blast. (laughs) 